0: The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia. You were made to think big, do big, do big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow in. Give my life bigger than yourself. You're created for Than
1: yeah. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are reaching the lost, empowering the hurting, assimilating the lonely, and leading our generation for Christ. Visit GraceChurchBA.org for this message and to find out more about Grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer.
0: And what Jesus wanted to do in Lazarus' life was shift his boxing class. He wanted to, to move his weight up. Are you hearing me? In the ring. Because lightweight people face lightweight problems. But if you want to start stomping with the big dogs, you hear what I'm saying in life? If you want to run and, and, and move with the heavyweights, you're going to have to sometime deal with heavyweight problems. And God in his wisdom won't protect you from it. He'll keep you through it. That's his course. That's what he does. He's our God. Now, Jesus loves, say it again, in case you misconstrued. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus. And she's thinking, well, well, God, if you love me so much, why did this happen? Maybe God's love is not just always protecting you from, but his patience in walking you through the valley of the shadow of death. There were some choices I didn't like. God, I wanted you to save me from, but he said, No, son, I called you to walk through that. And sometimes I cry, I'd be upset. God, why, God, why? I said, No. Even my son Jesus, I could not and I would not deliver him from the cross. But I delivered him through it. And if you're gonna be like Christ, sometimes you gotta go through to get to the place God's called you to verse 6 so when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place where he was this will make you scratch your head it said Jesus loved them but when they needed him the most he seemed to stay the furthest away Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's because we don't know the end of the thing. And we're just in the middle of the thing. In the end, it will speak and not lies. the Bible says. You know, when I look back, all of a sudden, stuff he brought me through makes sense. But while I was in it, I didn't get it. All I could do was trust. You know, in verse 15, he actually explains the answer to this, this, this conundrum that they were, they were in. But let's start in verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Real faith is not denying the facts. Real faith is trusting God in spite of the facts. That's genuine faith in God. Verse 15 is difficult. That's why I said you know, Nicole, theology will not work here. Jesus looked at him and said, I'm glad. What? Someone just died. People are crying. People are hurt. And you're going to be insensitive enough to stand up talking about you're glad. But Jesus finished the sentence. He's like nobody else in the history of the world. He said, and I'm glad for your sake, meaning everything he did was in consideration of them. I'm glad for, for your sake that I was not there. And then he explained that you may what? Believe. The reason he delayed was for their faith to deepen. And God's delays are opportunities. For our faith to deepen and to strengthen. If God is always Johnny on the spot, we would become spoiled children. Perseverance will never grow. We will never become godly. We will never become like Christ. We can't grow up if God always shoves the lollipop in our mouth. We will never grow up if he's always giving us Tootsie Rolls and, and Skittles. But God in his wisdom fixes some things like that, but other things, he takes you through. Not because he's weak, but often because we need it. I like this next word. Nevertheless, let us go to him. You see, the problem was Jesus had already... Showed the whole nation that God loved them and wanted to heal their sickness, diseases, free them of the demons. But Jesus was ready to dig a little bit deeper. And he wanted to expand their hearts to, to embrace even a deeper truth. That Jesus didn't want to just deal with insipid death and, and and healing and demons, though that's important. Ultimately he came to destroy death itself. And he wanted to enlarge their vision of his capacity to help and fix things broken. But in order for him to do it, he had to take them through it. David did not just fight Goliath. That's not what happened. He was first successful with his lion and his bear. And then he kind of built up. He said, you know, as God has come upon me and helped me defeat the lion and the bear, so will you be, Mr. Goliath. In healing from sickness and the casting out of demons, all of that is, 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 is kind of, uh, I don't want to say a shadowing, but it, it's just a, a small glimpse of the ultimate power. So he does those small things so we can see the bigger things. And all this is transpiring. He said, though, okay, good. We have a situation bad enough for me to show that I'm God enough. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. But God is not dead. Amen. Verse 16. Then Thomas, who's called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. People were trying to kill Jesus. And, and, and they all understood this. But Jesus was willing to risk his life to save a life. And meaningful ministry, meaningful service to God will always carry an element of risk. It will always have that. If you never take chances, you're probably not doing anything of any real value. (laughs) Verse 20. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him, only one sister. But Mary was left sitting in the house. Now, remember This is that Mary who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. This is that Mary who opened up her alabaster uh, uh, perfume flask and, and poured that expensive perfume on the master's feet. But something had changed. For the first time in Scripture, we see her unresponsive to the Lord's presence. In times past, Mary and Martha hosted Jesus. Martha was busy doing the works, chores, making the food ready and all the rest. And, and Mary was so in love with the presence of Jesus, she sat at the master's feet. And Martha got mad at her saying, well, Jesus, say something to her. We got all this work to do and she's staying with you and the guys and listening. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. She's chosen the better part. And corrected Martha. This woman in the past, I was on fire for Jesus, but something happened. What's a life tends to happen between our worship services. As high as we go with Him on the mountain, we still got to come down that mountain and deal with the valley. Well, Mary was left sitting. She was in a fog probably felt numb. Life had hit her with its full fury, and it had knocked the legs from under her. And all she could do is sit on the sideline and stare. Now Martha said to Jesus, now Martha went, Mary stayed, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha was angry at Jesus. This week, I've come to understand this anger. Over the last 18 months of my life, I, I've come to, to understand this anger. I know many of you don't really know me personally, but, but here's the truth about me. I'm not always strong enough to passively hurt. One of the worst things for me, and you're probably like me, is for me to feel like a victim, for me to feel like it's out of my control. I can't fix it. I can't address it. I I, I can't help it. So in times when I hurt the most, instead of crying, I often get angry. I often want to do something. I often react, and I think, and I process, and I feel anger. But anger is part of my process. And what's amazing is in spite of these girls' anger, Jesus didn't reprove them, didn't kick them to the curb, talking about, do you know who you're talking to? Jesus, in a minute we're about to find that he actually called for the hangry girl. Verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sisters. some things you just can't come out by yourself. I believe as much as it depends on me, I am going to try to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. But uh, some situations I cannot get through without the help of my brothers and my sisters. And Martha went back for Mary. And sometimes when we're in a mourning place, we need people in our lives that love us and come back for us. Grab us by the hand. And take us where we need to go. And Martha said to Mary what she needed to hear. She said, the teacher has come and he's calling for you, even angry you, Mary. Mary, I know you're numb. I know you're blank. I know you it doesn't make sense. And you're, you're not really responsive the way you used to be. But Jesus still called her. And what's amazing is when I go through my moments, what the heck is this, God? What is this? He doesn't get threatened, intimidated. He just says, come here, boy. and he calls me close, and sometimes he doesn't even argue, he just puts a hug around me, and I feel his presence. I can't, and I'm still mad, though. But sometimes he'll hug the anger right out of me. (laughs) As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. She suffered great loss, but all she needed was a little prod, just a little help from her sister to get her back on her feet, to find her legs, to get back to Jesus. 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Here's the deal. She's upset. He let me down, Jesus. We're supposed to be your disciple. We're supposed to be your peeps. And, 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 and here, my brother, I am the worshiping wonder of Israel. People are talking about me. And my life is falling apart. My brother is dead. And the Bible says, and when she came with Jesus, she saw him. She was mad, but she saw the look of love still on his face. And when she saw him, she's conflicted. She wants to grab him and say, What you doing, God? But she sees the same Jesus. So all she could do is fall at his feet and worship. She fell down at his feet but this is a real woman and she had real things to say. So she tells him exactly what she's thinking while she's on her knees. We need to learn from her. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary was as angry as Martha. I know you guys are always nice. I know that you're always sweet, and when pressure comes, you always do the right thing. But for me, anger is often a part of my healing process. And sometimes when you see me angry, you just gotta say, I gotta let him go through his process. Don't give me no cliches, not interested. Don't tell me what I ought to do and what I ought to think. Shut up. (laughs) Let me go through my process. 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. The people he loved were troubled. So Jesus himself got bothered. He feels us. He knows exactly what we're feeling and going through. And then he said, and what he asked here is in light of the fact that he's connected, he 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 knows everything, you know, he's the son of God, he said, "Where have you laid him?" This is important. Jesus still asks for directions to the gravesite. Very important. God already knows, but he still wants us to say, Jesus, I hurt right over here. All prayer is simply giving God directions to the place where we died, the place where we hurt. Saying, God knows, but he wants to hear it. Tell me where it hurts. Tell me the exact place. Tell me what happened. I know I know, but I want to hear it from your lips. Tell me your story. Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35 is the shortest verse in the entire Bible that says a whole, whole lot. God cares even when we're mad at him, even when our emotions aren't doing exactly what we'd like them to do. He said, Jesus wept. He felt Mary. He felt Martha. He had watched death for eons take the sons of Adam one at a time, pick us all off. He hated what it did to families. He hated what it did to the image of God placed in man. And in the language here, scholars get confounded because there are two emotions chiefly being revealed, both sorrow or sadness and anger. And it's amazing how both of these emotions can intermingle at some points in our life. He was angry at what death had done, but he was still sensitive to the pain of those hurt by it. And all of these emotions are flooding through the master. And in verse 38, it says this. Then Jesus again, meaning this happened over and over again, groaning in himself. Jesus had to dig down to a deep place to get him through this moment. And sometimes words are not enough. All you can do is moan. I'm a Bible-toting, quoting Bible preacher. But sometimes I go, hmm. I write books. I can talk for a long time. But sometimes all I can say, "Mm -hmm." Jesus is the word. Every word that could be spoken, He was. But in that moment, He said, "Mm -hmm." So there's nothing wrong with having a moment where all you can do is say. Groaning in himself, he came to the tomb. The site that had become the memorial place to what looked like God's failure. God, if you loved him, why? It was was memorializing what looked like God's failure to intervene in the lives of those he says he loves. And then it goes on and describes this place. Say It was a... Cave, it was a dark place, a place with no sunlight, low, low, low walls. And once the sarcophagus was sealed, it became impervious to everything living. Anybody ever feel locked away in a place like this in your life? When it's a place that proves God doesn't love you, he's not for you. And it seems memorialized in that event. There's no light. There's no air. Just death. And it's in your life. It's in your neighborhood. And it doesn't go away. This was the case with Lazarus. It said, and a stone lay against it. Wow. But then comes Jesus. Doing what only Jesus can do. He was about to get the last word. Jesus said, Take away the stone. That little statement is the word the Lord gave me this weekend. And what the Lord was saying to me, saying, Derek, if you would do your part and push against the stone, I will do my part. And resurrect the hope that has died. He said, take away the what? Stone. And what he was saying is, I need you to begin to remove the heaviness. I need you to start pushing against the hardness of heart that often comes when we go through long seasons of pain. And what God was saying to me is, Derek, use your anger. To push against. Get up under. Son, this is designed to break you. Son, this is designed to make you hard, cold, and callous. Son, this is this is not designed to bless you, son. I need you to push against it. Use your weight, son. Get back on your feet. Push against this hardness. Push against this anger. Use it, son. Push, push, push. Push back that stone, son. And as I began to push... I thought about my grandmother. I thought about Sister Karen. I thought about Pastor Miles and Pastor Ruth and Dr. Richardson and the pilots and the other passengers. I thought about the surviving two children. I said, you know, if I don't push, who's going to push? Before Jesus did the final part, he gave Mary and Martha a part. I don't know that they helped the men move the stone, but it was at their authority, Mary and Martha's. Jesus said, take away the stone. And then only after they removed the stone does Jesus say, I think it's verse 43, I'm not sure. Lazarus, come forth. God wants to call things back to life. But what he's saying to me and you is I'll only do it if you push. You are no longer a lightweight. You are not a featherweight. I want to graduate you to be amongst the heavyweights. I want you to be able to stand and after doing everything to say, I want you to stand. Son, I need you to push through. Push through your heaviness. Push through your sorrow. Push through the the, the feelings of failure and loss. It's easy to blame God. God's not our problem. He's our only help in time of trouble. Push through the thoughts that try to sit on your mind. The thoughts that make you want to give up on your gift and and just sit there blank. Just sit there. No. Push through. As I'm speaking today, I'm not just talking about the incident we're discussing. I'm talking about that place in your life you memorialized where you think God failed. God is saying, if you would push, I will do only what a
1: God Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.